Welcome to the Talking Book Podcast. I'm Perry Patterson, and tonight we have with us an Atlanta author. Ivan Scott is joining us live on Instagram tonight. Welcome, Ivan Scott. Perry, it is great to be here, and it's funny. I was thinking about this. We have been talking about getting together. I want to say maybe it was about 10, 12 months ago, about mm-hmm. a year ago, whatever, and you're like, you know what? I am so booked, but what about February 2024? I was like, absolutely. I, I can wait as long as I need to, so I am so glad I'm on the big show. <laughs> I know. I know. I only do podcasts once a month. Sometimes I do a few a month, but usually it's once a month. So it, yeah. So it can be like a whole month can be booked, but Ivan, I'm going to do a little bit of a bio about you that you sent me. I'm going to read that really quick and then we'll get started. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Ivan Scott has been writing stories since the third grade. He got serious about writing about five years ago when he wrote his first book. It was rejected hundreds of times. However, the self-publishing industry was taking off and he researched Amazon and Barnes and Noble and found a path to becoming a published author. Fast forward to today. And now he has four books on Amazon and Barnes and Noble with two more set to be published in 2024. So his career as a self-published author has taken off. His books are all rom-com and contemporary romance featuring a redheaded heroine. He gets his inspiration from his ginger haired wife, who is a nonstop supply of story ideas. Her name is Kim, but her nickname is Red. The books that Ivan has written are titled Redhead and a Blue Convertible, The Redhead and the Ghost Rider, A Redhead in Tottingham, and the most recent release is The Redhead Who Loves Hemingway. When someone asks Ivan about how hard it was to write a book, he tells them, I have dyslexia. I could have used it as an excuse but I decided I was not going to let anyone, an agent or a publishing house, tell me or my learning disabilities tell me what I can and cannot do. You either find a way or you find an excuse. All you have to do is put pen to paper and before you know it, you will become an author. So that's great advice. Good job. Great advice. So your first book and you sent me a copy um, the redhead in the blue convertible. Yeah. Um, and the tagline is someone is in for the ride of her life. So I read, um, I read this one and I did enjoy the story. So this is your first book that you put, put out, right? Right. That's the very first book. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, one question I do have for you and hopefully you can shed a little bit of light on it, but, um, the German spy that just kind of pops back in, and like hunts down um, William Billy. Tell me why that spy all of a sudden showed up because I kind of felt like it was just all of a sudden he shows up in the story and like is kind of like chasing him down and like trying to kill him and this kind of thing. And I was kind of like, it was kind of from his past. It was somebody, you know, from his past that came back. But I just kind of felt like, I don't know if there was an intro to him coming back or the reason why he came back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, early on in the book, there's a, a, a part in the book where Billy takes Sarah shopping. And so he's sipping hot chocolate and he's, he's kind of in Buckhead and he's waiting for her to come out. And there's a sentence in there that says, 
as Billy was waiting for Sarah, watching Sarah, somebody was watching Billy. So there's a little bit of a pre, okay. you know, hey, something's coming up here, you know, that kind of thing. Okay. And what's interesting is, you know, just to kind of answer your question about the German spy, his name is, well, his name is in the book, so I won't, uh, I won't reveal it. But the the uh, inspiration behind the book is. As you know, as you read it, Sarah um, is this fabulous heart surgeon. She's got this great career and all that. She loses a patient on the table. The patient dies, and she just hits rock bottom. And there's reasons why in the book. So when you read it, you know, you'll understand. And so I took that, um, that example, that story, uh, because that was what was going on with my wife at the time. She's a very successful executive in marketing. Um, she's been a VP. Um, she's just you know, done everything. After 30 years of you know jobs, she wasn't at one job for 30 years, but after 30 years, she lost her job. So Perry, she hit rock bottom. You know, gosh, I'm worthless. Nobody wants me. I'm the worst person in the world, that kind of thing. So I took those emotions that she had and put them into Sarah's character. And so then, of course, Sarah kind of rebounds with Billy's help. And so as I was writing it, read her, she kind of started to rebound and started to come back to life. And so it was kind of like... Mm -hmm. The book was taking on what was going on in, in the real world. And the villain in the story was the guy who fired her. So, of course, they didn't shoot anybody or anything like that in real life. But mm -hmm. I took those examples of here's the bad guy and here's, here's who, who's Trish trying to ruin her life. And I put that story in the book. So that's kind of where the inspiration came from. So. Okay. Okay. All right, cool. Okay, well, I just didn't know if I was missing something, which apparently I had started the book and then put it away for a little bit and then came back to finish it. So that might be why I wasn't really sure about the the spy that came back in the story at the very end. Um, so um, your characters, although all of your characters in your books are redheads, but they're not the same redhead. They're not the, they're, it's not like a continuous story. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 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 like we talked about in the first book, uh, she's a heart surgeon. Um, the second book, The Redhead and the Ghost Rider, she is a bar slash bookstore owner. So she runs what's called a book bar, which, as you know, Perry, being a book fan, wouldn't that be heaven for you know us to have a place where it'd be a bookstore in the daytime and then it turns into this great bar where people come and they talk about their favorite authors and they talk about their favorite quotes and people do skits during, you know, like from books in mm -hmm. that. So that was kind of the inspiration for that. The redhead in Tottenham, she's a pro soccer player. And then the redhead who loves Hemingway, Darcy is, in, let's just say she's in between jobs. She is this just sweet girl who has the best intentions and she's got a heart of gold, but she can't keep a job to save her life because she has these like crazy things that keep happening to her, like, you know, fires and explosions. And, you know, she worked in a funeral home and the caskets got switched up. And so instead of having the time to switch the caskets back before the funeral, one of them gets cremated. So, so Darcy gets fired from all of her jobs. So, okay. so she's kind of like a wild card. Okay. And that's the, that's the one with the Hemingway that loves right. the redhead that loves Hemingway. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, from reading your first book, um, redhead in the blue convertible, I kind of picked up on a, on a, on, you might be a fan of Hemingway, um, in the book. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. and maybe a fan of like some kind of like bourbon called four roses or something i think yeah something four roses five roses you know it's one of those yeah something like that so yeah well you know perry it's funny i and you can't really see it but i can just got point to it so in my bookcase these are all my hemingway books so i've okay. got hemingway and then fitzgerald's underneath so yeah so i've got a, okay. a big hemingway fan okay so do you have like one that's do you like one a little bit more than the other i mean um 
you know, Fitzgerald uh, might be a little bit more um, able to bring out um, conversation and character, more character driven conversation type things. Maybe so. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I see where you're going with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Fitzgerald, like with dialogue was really mm -hmm. good. What's interesting is that Fitzgerald with his descriptions of things, uh, he would uh, give you so much about, about something or a place or whatever. Hemingway pretty much skinned everything and was like, okay, this is the place. But he was such a good writer that you understood where you were and you didn't need all the extra words. So it was, mm -hmm. I think that's why I like both of them because one, you know, it's so much different than the other, but they mm -hmm. kind of take you to the same place mm -hmm. when you're reading their books. Mm -hmm. So I find it interesting that you're, because you're um, a male writer that writes um, romance, because I'm a romance writer myself. So I write, you know, historical fiction romance and contemporary romance and new adult, young adult romance and those kind of romance books. So, I mean, and I prefer my genre that I prefer to read is romance. So even though I read a little bit of everything, it's still, that's my go-to. So from a male perspective, I mean, talk a little bit about like what, because you're obviously Hemingway and a um, Scott F. Scott Fitzgerald fan, but you write romance. So do you also read and what romance books have you read? And also we're filming this or recording this um, the day after Valentine's day. So I, you know, we should probably address that. So tell us, I mean, you live in Sandy Springs. Do you have a favorite um, location in Sandy Springs that is a go-to for you guys? And how was your Valentine's um, last night? Oh, absolutely. Well, you know what's funny, Perry, is that we celebrated our, our Valentine's, uh, Red and I, uh, on Saturday. So we had our date night, and I have to tell you what happened. And actually, before that, I wore this just for you, because it's the day after Valentine's, so it's a red bow tie. I don't know if you can see yeah, it. Yeah, I can see uh, it. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Don't you like that? So mm -hmm. happy Valentine's Day to everybody out there. We're a day late, but, you know, the mm -hmm. sentiment is still there. So Saturday, what I did was I got this great a friend of mine who's uh, who I met through Instagram, uh, who's this fabulous stylist that has styled, you know, uh, people on the red carpet, Denzel Washington, Marsha Gay Hart. She's just the best and lives here in Atlanta. So I took Red to see her. And so basically I was like, okay, this is your day. You go pick out whatever dress you want, whatever shoes you want or whatever. And so she just, and of course they shipped champagne while they were doing it. So it was just, you know, her day to be glammed up. And then we went to uh, Chops, which is one of our favorite restaurants in Buckhead. So we had our date night then. Um, and then of course on Wednesday, yesterday, um, that's when I gave her like, you know, a card and little Valentine's presents, you know, that kind of thing. So Valentine's is kind of her day. So I'm like, you know what? You better not mess this up. You better do it right. So hopefully, um, hopefully I did it right. And if you go to my Instagram page, you can see um, the yeah. stylist because the stylist took videos and stuff. So yeah, yeah, so it was just, it was a great day. And uh, yeah. So, great. Yeah. Okay, fun. Okay. Um, so let's go back to talking about you as a male romance author and what books you maybe like that are romance or what books you've read that are romance that you find, um, you know, that kind of maybe spurred you on to maybe want to write romance. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, um, there's a, there's a few books, you know, uh, um, uh, if I, I got to make sure I get the name. Allie Hazelwood is very good. Uh, Emily Giffen is great. Um, Elin Hildebrand is another good one. And their books, it's like I, I, I got so much inspiration in just reading it. It's like how, how the book flows. And it's like, man, she just I just read that paragraph and boom, 
I'm, I'm on the mm. beach or I'm in Cape Cod or I'm in this place or I'm mm-hmm. in Atlanta, you know, wherever. Yeah. And, and um, you know, just reading it and then just reading the characters, it's like, wow, I wonder if that character, you know, really exists. You know, wh- where did you base that character off of? Because the characters and their stories are fascinating. Uh, they just kind of keep you, you know, gripped. Um, I think to, to answer your question as far as, you know, a male writing romance, um, I tell you, Perry, it's tough because as a man, you got to get it right. You, you cannot use verbiage like, you know, her heart shaped, you know, whatever, or her pounding breasts, you know, that kind of thing. So I made sure that when I started writing my stories, it's like, first thing that you need to think of, you need to respect the, the reader. The reader's probably going to be a woman. So you got to respect that. Also respect your characters. And so I think that, that that's a big responsibility as a man. And I just, I kind of shake my head sometimes when, when people say, wow, you're a man writing romance. Well, I read this guy's, you know, romance book the other day and all it was was just smutty sex and he just degraded women and all that. And I just kind of like, oh gosh, he just made it 10 times tougher for anybody to want to pick up one of my books. So all of my stories are sweet romance. Um, and like I, like I said before, I pay homage to the reader and also to the character to make sure that I get the, the facts right. And I do the characters and the readers right. Right. Okay. Um, Okay, so tell us a little bit about your background. I mean, kind of go back in time. Um, you maybe have always liked reading or with dyslexia, did you struggle? I mean, was it a struggle? And how did you fall and finally fall in love with reading? Yeah, um, it's interesting because I was, I, I've always loved to read, but I, I thought maybe, you know, it just everybody had this problem. It's like I would read a paragraph and then it was like, wow, I need to read that again because I really didn't get it. And so I would read it over again. So it would take me longer to read books uh, than a lot of people. I thought, well, this is just, you know, everybody has this problem. And I found out later, it's like, no, I kind of have the problem. You know, I have a, you know, a, a, a situation as far as like reading where I get it, but it just takes me longer to get there. And Perry, you know what the interesting thing is, is that when I was going through school, you know, I struggled. Um, with a lot of classes. I mean, I got through it. I ended up getting my uh, college degree, so no worries there. Um, Interesting, I I felt college was easier than high school just because I could express myself more. And a lot of the tests were, okay, explain why so-and-so did so-and-so instead of, okay, it's A, B, and C, you know, that kind of thing. And the way that I figured out that, hey, maybe things aren't so right is both of our kids had dyslexia. So a lot of the struggles that they went through and that they're going through now, I'm like, wow, I did the exact same thing at their age. And then it hit me. It's like, okay, mine was never diagnosed, but I am quite sure that I have it because I have the same struggles as they do. So um, the interesting thing that I found about dyslexia um, is when when it was diagnosed with our kids, uh, Red was just, she was devastated. She's like, oh my God, this is the worst thing ever. And I said, no, you know what? If it was cancer or if it was, you know, something debilitating or that kind of thing, now that's when you should be worried. The only thing with dyslexia is, it's like, okay, I'm going to go from A to Z, but the people with non-dyslexia go A to Z. But with me, it's like A to B to C to D, E, F, G, and then I'm to Z. So I get there, I just take a diff- different path because that's the way that I'm, that, that my brain works. So. Okay. Okay. So, did, but did you ever, like when you were a kid, did you hate reading or did you like it? Or how did you fall in love finally with reading? I mean, for me, I was always, well, I started reading Judy Bloom when I was probably about, I don't know, 11. And I read everything by her and fell in love with reading because I loved her books and just read them over and over again. In fact, I dedicated my latest book 
to Judy Bloom. So, um, because if, if it wasn't for her, I don't think I would have fallen in love with reading and, yeah. you know, stayed with it. You know, of course, later in life, I've, you know, found other authors that I absolutely love and read everything by them. But, um, you know, at first it was, it was like, because of Judy Bloom. <laughs> so I just didn't know if there was like a book or a certain author, or certain, you know, thing like when you were younger that you, that just got you really hooked on reading. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a, a big sports person. I played sports all my life, uh, and so that's a big thing for me. So I read a lot of sports books, a lot of biographies, and like Lou Gehrig was my favorite player. So I read when I was younger, would read biographies on him. Um, Steve Garvey, when uh, I was growing up, that was my favorite baseball player. So I would find uh, you know stories about him and read those. And I think um, Perry, it kind of took me away to places where I was like, you know, they were talking about when he came up, when Steve Garvey came up with the Dodgers in his first game and all that. I was transferred to that time and place. And so I was like, wow, reading is really cool. It's like I can get away from the problems and get away from the stresses of what's going on now. And I can be in this different place and I can learn about people and kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of like I'm standing right there with them. So I think once I found that, you know, going with reading, um, I'm like, man, this is what I want to do. And then, um, you know, I think the writing thing was in in here and in my heart the whole time. I just didn't really, you know, realize it and notice it. Uh, and, but reading eventually, I think, kind of pulled that out. It's like, well, wow, you're reading. Why don't you do what these great authors are doing? So I think it's kind of it's kind of come together. But back to the reading thing, like I said, it's it's kind of an escape for me, and it's always always has been. I think that's what I is so learning about. Okay. Okay. Good. Um, so just five years ago, you started writing your first book, right? You wrote, you put this out five, about, about five years ago. And yeah. since then you've done three more, three yeah. more books. Okay. And then you've got, you, I think in your bio, I read something where you're going to put two more books out this year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so are they in the editing process or... Yeah, they're in the editing process now. Um, The next book that's coming out is going to be in April, uh, and that is A Redhead in Brooklyn. And that story, and and back to the baseball thing, you know, we talked about, you know, Steve Garvey and Lou Gehrig were baseball players, and so I'm like, man, I I would love to put a baseball book together. Um, And I've always been fascinated with the 1955 or the 1950s. But particularly the 1955 Brooklyn Dodgers, it was their only World Series before they moved to Los Angeles. And so I thought, would it be cool to, back to this whole thing about being transferred to another time and place, time travel back to 1950 or 1955 in the story, what would Ebbets Field be like? What would the cars look like? What would New York look like? And so Mm -hmm. I did all my research. And so that's the premise behind the book. We have a guy that goes back in time to play baseball with the Brooklyn Dodgers. And then he meets this girl that he falls in love with. And then when October comes, he has to decide whether to stay in Brooklyn or uh, go back to present day. And I got to thinking, if that were me, would I want to stay in 1955 or would I want to come back to the present day? Think about how different things were, you know, then and now. And now, and then throw in the fact that he's in love. So it's like, could I? Could you really leave behind somebody that you fall in love with? But 
then again, nothing's ever sure, you know, in this world. So it's like, well, what if you guys break up, you know, a month from now? And then it's like you're stuck in 1955. So, so a couple of cool little questions there. Um, and then the next book, which uh, I plan to have out in the fall, is The Redhead and the Fountain Pen. And the premise behind this one is, and, and Perry, I'd love to hear your opinions and your comments on this, but with social media, it's like we see people, we hear their voices, we see, you know, their lives every day, what they're doing, what they're wearing, and, you know, those kind of things. What if you fell in love with somebody strictly by their letters? You were writing letters back and forth. You've never seen them, never talked to them, don't know what they look like. But you read their words and you read their feelings. And it's like, wow, wouldn't that be kind of cool to just fall in love with, you know, just it's so different than how things mm -hmm. are today. Right. Um, the premise behind, and then also the premise behind this book is, is that both of the characters, Mark Dawson is a softball coach, and the girl he falls in love with, Catherine, lives in Manhattan, and she's trying out for the New York Philharmonic. And so he's using his instincts as a coach to kind of help her because she's all stressed about this. I, I want to win this audition. Being a viola player for the New York Philharmonic is my dream. And so he's trying to coach her through this. And so they're doing this all through letters. So what happens is, is well, actually, I don't know if I should give away everything, but let's just say that he says, okay, enough of this. I'm going to go meet this girl. I'm going to go find this girl. And then it's like, okay. Think about this for a second, Perry. You've written letters from us to this one person, and you have this image in your mind about this person mm -hmm. that you seemingly have fallen in love with. What's going to happen when you meet this person face to face? What's that going to be like? Is there is it going to blow your you know your image of this person away? You know, because I'm sure you have a vision of what they look like and what they sound like, and you know how they brush their hair, you know, brush their teeth, whatever, you know, that kind of thing. So, always been curious about how people fall in love, but. In this day and age, nobody ever falls in love like that. So what would it be like to fall in love like that? Well, you probably have not watched the Netflix show Love is Blind because the whole premise behind Love is Blind is um, there. there's like 15 couples or like there's 15 males, 15 females, and they put them in this like... Um, I don't know, kind of like condo type situation where all the girls that are housed together, all the guys are housed together. But then when they go to date, they go into these pods. And so it's like a door and then you open the pod and you, there's like a couch in there and there's like maybe a glass wall with like a light shining behind it. And so they sit, they, they open the door and they, they start talking and they're introduced to the person on the other side of that glass wall, because, you know, when the girls go in, they're, you know, talking to whoever the guy is behind. So then they take notes and they have a journal and they take notes and they talk to each other. And then they go back to their apartment living with the other girls or whatever. And they kind of compare notes about, oh, who did you talk to today? Oh, I talked to um chase or i talked to mike and i really you know liked him or whatever and they kind of compare notes but then sometimes you find that some of these girls are falling for the same guy and there's some drama there but they do not see each other at all they don't see each other in person unless the guy proposes or, or one of them proposes to the other through the glass wall. And then after that, then they kind of like have this reveal where they get dressed up and then there's like um, two glass doors that kind of like open at the same time. And then they walk the red carpet and they meet each other for the first time. Anyway, it's love is blind on Netflix. If you have a chance to watch it, the very first season 
of that show is set in Atlanta. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So, but then they go to different cities, but once, but there's usually about three or four couples that actually fall in love in these pods where they haven't seen each other. And that's the whole premise. Is love really blind? Yeah, I like it. That's cool. So anyway, um, (laughs) so anyway, that's, um, I, I really like the show. I find it to be completely interesting and I love watching it. So once they meet each other, they then go on a vacation for a week to some resort to get to know each other better. And then once they have that vacation, then they move in together for like three weeks prior to the wedding. Wow. It's kind of cool. It it reminds me of the other show um, and Red really liked it. um, 90 Day Fiance, where they never met each other and then they get they get together, then they have to spend 90 days together. And at the end of 90 days, it's like, you know, do we stay? Do we break up? You know, that kind of thing. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's great. Those kind of shows are crazy, Perry. I, I agree. <laughs> yeah. And there's one where I think, and I forgot the name of it, but it's, there's one where, um, they beat at the altar and I forgot what that one was called, but it's some, somehow they meet at the altar and, it's their wedding day and that's when they meet each other. Um, and I can't remember the name of that one, but anyway, I think that's the show. I think it's, it uh, can't be, no, it's, it's a different show, but no, they meet to they meet there and then they, and then it's like, okay, do we stay together or do we get this annulled? So yeah, I, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's, yeah, it's a whole thing where they, um, they move in together because they go on a honeymoon and they move in together. And then I think they have like 90 days, or something like yeah, that to decide, yeah. but I can't remember the, I don't remember the, I don't remember if it was, it wasn't my 90 day fiance. I know that wasn't the name of it, but it would, because they meet literally as they walk to the altar. <laughs> so yeah. it's anyway. Talk about pressure, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> so, um, are you originally from Atlanta? Well, um, I was born in Michigan, uh, and we moved south when I was ten years old. And we lived, and I kind of grew up in Knoxville, in Tennessee. And but I've been in Atlanta for over thirty years, so I kind of feel like Atlanta is, is is home. So yeah, so been here for for a while. I still have family in Tennessee though, so we get to go up there every now and then and and uh, in visits. So it's all good. Yeah. Okay, good, good, good. Okay, so um, when you said okay, so you said you've got your fifth book coming out in the spring april April. yep Uh okay do you have any plans to do like an in-person uh book signings or anything like that books Mm -hmm. yeah um at uh, barnes and noble at georgia tech uh, i'm working on uh, getting the event uh, sometime in april it might be the first of may but i'll have more information on all my social media channels and also on my website as well um, but yeah, so it's going to be springtime. Uh, hopefully we're going to do a book signing there for the fifth book, which will be cool because it'll be baseball season and it's a baseball book. So the theme, you know, kind of fits in good. And I, you probably saw it on my, um, Instagram page, but I was able to get, um, my books into Barnes and Noble, the Barnes and Noble at Georgia tech, which as an indie author, it's tough to get your books into Barnes and Noble. So I was really blessed, very fortunate. Uh, so my books are there now and they're all autographed if anybody ever is down at Georgia Tech. They can pick one up, uh, autograph copy. So, but yeah, but I'll have more information about uh, the book signing um, 
as as we as we move forward we get closer to april so yeah. okay and probably i mean i'm not sure but is is being an author your full-time job now gosh perry i wish it was but not yet <laughs> uh talking about georgia tech i work at georgia tech uh, I work for student engagement and well-being, so I do uh, photography and I do some video production. So, and and I've been at Georgia Tech for uh, to be 26 years in May. So, um, I've done a lot of uh, programs like video production, uh, uh, shows on students, shows on staff, you know, that kind of thing. So, uh, it's kind of it's like, okay, why wow, you really into writing? It's like, yeah, I'm also into video production, and it basically it's the same thing. Only I'm, instead of like using pen and paper. I'm using video and, and sound bites and audio and graphics and that kind of thing. So I guess just for me, telling stories is a full-time job. So, but between the two, I would rather be writing. So one day maybe I would be able to uh, be a full-time writer. So that's that's the uh, that's the dream. Okay. That yeah, that would be great. Okay, well, that's pretty cool. So back to your fifth book that you say is going to come out in the fall. So it had these have already been written, but they're just being edited right now. Is that what? Okay. Okay. Um, so the redhead in the fountain pen is the one that we were talking about where she has not met this person and right. And then they might meet each other. Okay. So is that book set in today's time period? Because I mean, nobody really uses like actual physical letters. I mean, sometimes we'll send a card where we might write a handwritten note to someone, but it's pretty rare to do like a whole letter, you know, writing letters back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it takes place in, in uh, present day. And like you said, I mean, that's a great point. I think that's why I uh, decided it's like, okay, you have you know, all these stories on, you know, media on social media and what is it, uh, uh, you know, Instagram, Twitter. Um, what's the what's the dating site? Um, Tumblr? Tinder? No, not Tumblr. Tumblr, um, Tumblr? yeah. Wait, I think Tumblr no. and Tinder, right? <laughs> um, well, there's Bumble. Just I think Bumble, Bumble is yeah, one of them. One, yeah. Yeah, but just, I'm just sorry, as long as I've been married, I don't know the dating sites, which is probably yeah, a good I don't. Thing, so but you know, it's like as far as you know, meeting people, it seems like that's the way now. But I was thinking, wouldn't it be cool in this day and age? Nobody, like you said, nobody writes letters anymore. Who who would want to go to the mailbox and get or the post office and buy a set of stamps and then get an envelope and then take the time to write a letter and then stick it in, put it in the mailbox, and then because she's in New York. And he's in, uh, well, actually, he's in Blue Ridge, Georgia, because he moves from Atlanta to Blue Ridge in the mountains. So who would want to wait three or four days to get a letter when I could just hop on social media and send a message instantly? But that's the that's the um, kind of the hook. That's kind of the, the curiosity to the book. It's like, why did they do this? And it's revealed in the book why they like to write letters. Um, part of it, you know, Mark talks about um, how personal it is. It's like when I read a letter, it's like the person that sent it to me their hands were on this letter. Their eyes, you know, uh, were, were looking at the words on this letter. The ink, I can see where the ink is smudged in this. It's so personal. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, in social media, you know, it's like you have an antiseptic, you know, uh, thought. You know, it's like it's very impersonal. Imperson- impersonal. Impersonal. There we go. I got it right. Uh, so that's why, you know, I decided to go with, like, okay, what would it be like to write letters? So, yeah. So that's what the difference is. So, okay. And I think... Um, the uh, obviously you've got mail with Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks, and then the um, the original, the shop around the corner, which, which I think was Cary Grant, which I think was in the 30s or 40s, where they wrote letters to each other, and that's kind of how they fell in love. That's mm-hmm. kind of the that's kind of the idea, the inspiration behind uh, behind this story. So okay, okay, cool. Well, I want to recommend a book to you that might have a little bit of a similarity to the letter writing. Mm-hmm. 
and um, it's called Becoming Mrs. Lewis. Becoming Mrs. Lewis, okay. And it's by Patty Callahan Henry. Okay. So, I don't know if you're a C.S. Lewis fan. But this is, is very good. But yeah. this is a true. This is based on a true story. Oh wow! Okay. And Patty yeah. Callahan Henry, um, she used to live in Atlanta for a while. She was um, she was friends with um, Mary Kay Andrews. If you've ever read any Mary Kay Andrews books, mm-hmm. um, so she used to be. She's friends with Mary Kay Andrews. They do a whole podcast together called Friends in Fiction, I think, which oh, they wow. started over COVID. Um, and she lives in Birmingham now. Uh, Patty Callahan Henry does, but um, occasionally she'll she'll come to Atlanta and do some book signings and things like that. Um, so, and she's been on my podcast. Um, so, um, anyway, her book Becoming Mrs. Lewis, I like to recommend it to everyone because it's just one of those really. I found it to be an excellent story based on a true story, and just so well done. I absolutely fell in love with it. Wow. No, I, uh, I just wrote it down. So I'm, <laughs> okay. I'm have yeah, to you'll have to let me know. Wrong. You'll have to let me know what you yeah. think. Yeah, no, I would. No, I totally, yeah, this this is totally right up my alley. You know, I'm wondering, um, you know, the other thing, one of the other inspirations behind the fountain pen was I've always, like, if, if you were to find somebody's journal, like if you were in an old house and it was abandoned mm-hmm. and you found somebody's journal and there was like, you know, the person wrote, you know, about their life and their loves and their heartbreaks and that kind of thing. It's like, how fascinating would that be? Because you could dive into that person's life just by reading their words, you know, that kind of thing. So that's, that's another thing that, you know, I've always been intrigued by is people, you know, that keep journals and they write their life story and all that. So, but yeah, I'm going to have to definitely check this book out. Um, and I think C.S. Lewis, I think was Shadowlands was his big book, but he's had some great books and he's a fantastic writer. So yeah, well, um, and the, sure, yeah. yeah, the screw tape letters and, um, mere Christianity and, um, of course, uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, right? Prince Caspian, you know, things like yeah. that, um, or C.S. Lewis. Um, but yeah, just definitely, um, very, you know, he very interesting person. I found, I found becoming Mrs. Lewis super interesting because I knew it was based on true story about his yeah. life and everything. So it was really cool. Yeah. I thank you so much. I mean, I love you know exploring new uh, authors and new stories, and and as you know, as a writer, it just inspires you to you know when you get when you read something that's really good, it's like wow, man, I want to do something like that, and it just gives you all that energy to put pen to paper. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, real quick, something I did want to mention to you: uh, Do you write your stories on your laptop? Yes. Is that how you? Okay. So with me and my dyslexic brain i write everything out in a notebook longhand but with pens and, and all that oh wow and then transfer it to the laptop and i tell you perry if i were to do it like you do it i'd probably have about 50 books done now because it takes so much time but that's just the way i'm wired i have to be able to like scratch through sentences and write stuff in the margins and then like use different colors to do stuff so mm-hmm. yeah just another one of my quirks but eventually i guess if it all gets to you know if it all gets to this then i guess we're yeah good, but yeah so (laughs) yeah definitely well um 
Well, thank you, Ivan, for being on the Talking Book Atlanta podcast um, tonight. Um, I am going to work on getting this out on Spotify, the audio part of it on on Spotify. And I will send you the link to that so you can share it on your sites and on your Facebook and wherever you want to share the link. Um, Maybe you have, um, you know, a fan base that you send out emails or... um, mail things out to you know email so you can do that um but thank you so much for joining us tonight and on the talking book atlanta podcast and i just want to remind our listeners next month we have another male author he is from canada so he'll be joining us live from canada on the talking book atlanta instagram on march the 28th and i believe it's going to be 6 p.m eastern standard time and three o'clock in Vancouver, where he is from. His name is Rilo Ken, and he writes uh, fantasy, I believe. So that'll be next month on March 28th. So I have to read Rilo's book before I interview him. I'm always reading. I'm always reading books. So if I'm not writing a book, I've got a book in my hand. I'm reading it or on my Kindle, I'm reading one. So I'm constantly reading. So thank you so much, Ivan, for being on the show. Thank you. And to everybody out there, um, Ivan Scott's book, Redhead in the Blue Convertible, Redhead Who Loves Hemingway, The Redhead in Tottingham, and The Redhead, I'm missing one. And The Ghost Rider. The Redhead and The Ghost Rider are all out now. Okay. And do you have a website? I do. It's ivanscottbooks.com. Ivanscottbooks.com, okay. And you can reach, you can find me on Instagram, uh, Facebook, X, or Twitter, as it was called, uh, YouTube. Um, I do a playlist for uh, all of my books, so kind of like a movie, you know, soundtrack for all my books. Uh, also, Pinterest, where you can see all the characters and, and the locations and the inspirations for all the, the stories. And then also on Goodreads. So you can find okay. me all sorts of places. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. Have a great evening and have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you you so much for watching and thank you to everybody who is listening. Good night.